dad was very good. He taught me something I'll never forget about listening to people. Um, and, you know, even if you don't agree with what they say, you can listen to them and learn from them. There's an opportunity with every person you meet um, and something you'll learn something from every person you meet. And, yeah, that's something that I still value to this day. G'day and welcome to episode 44 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and this week I'm very excited to share with you my latest chat with Emma Black. But firstly, I'd like to say a thank you to this episode's sponsor, LAWD, Specialists in Agribusiness Valuations and Transactions. You can find out more at www.lawd.com.au. Emma Black is one of the co-founders and current Chief Operating Officer for Black Box Co. Growing up in Western Queensland, she has a passion and a deep love for the northern livestock industry. Emma's work has taken her right across the beef supply chain, from nutrition, consulting, to meat processing, and now working with producers right across northern Australia. Her work in extension services took a hold of business approach, working directly with producers and the industry to assist in livestock nutrition, pasture management, data analysis, and general business advice. She is the inaugural winner of the Xander McDonald Award, taking home the prestigious title in 2015. And her work with the Xander McDonald Award continues as a judge, mentor, and supporter of not only the recipients, but also the finalists and other applicants. But Em, I think what like really stood out to me is you fit a heck of a lot in <laughs> all the time. So at the moment I was looking, you're a mum, a wife, a co-founder. I did see you studying an MBA. So you obviously have a lot of free time, but <laughs> welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Thank you, Ollie. It's a pleasure to be here. How on earth do you manage to fit all of that stuff in? And uh, I forgot as well, you've got beef week coming up in uh, in May. So you've got yeah, the, the next gen committee as well. For sure. I've never shied away from an opportunity. So there's ever an opening, I guess, to be involved in something and meet new people and, and help the industry out. I'm the first to put my hand up, but it's certainly a balancing act, especially with the kids at home. But I've got an amazing husband that that's very supportive um, as well. And I think it's all about getting a great team around you um, to work towards achieving where you want to go. Yeah, lovely. And that was one thing I did want to ask you. So obviously yourself and Shannon launched Black Box Co. last year in August of 2020, mid-pandemic. I, I suppose, yeah, firstly, I'd love to know how the initial meeting came about and then, yeah, when when it kind of, the, the idea was born that maybe there was potential to start a business together. Yeah, for sure. So Shannon and I have both worked across the northern beef industry for a number of years. Um, Shannon's background is more in the genomics, breeder management, animal health side, whereas mine was more nutrition, um, production through to meat science, that sort of end of the supply chain. But uh, so Shannon was one of the winners of the Xander McDonald Award in 2019. So got to know each other really well through that year where she underwent her tailor mentoring program um, and through the Triple P network. But in terms of black box, I think we'd both seen very similar issues across the northern beef industry for a number of years. So 
that issue was producers collecting a lot of data, um, spending a lot of money on hardware systems or crush side systems to collect data, but not having a way of being able to pull that data and the fragmented data sets together. So we started doing a little bit of work in Microsoft Excel um, with some companies and pretty quickly realised that it was very tedious, took a lot of time and Excel couldn't handle some of the large sets of data. Um, so thought so we need to do something about this. So Shannon then went on her tailored mentoring trip um, through the Xander McDonald Award and got to meet a lot of industry people uh, develop a lot of relationships with mentors as I had done back in, in 2015 and got to float the idea with a number of people and say, this is what we're thinking about. Do you think we can make a go of that? Um, so I definitely say the development of Black Box Co has come about due to the Xena McDonald Award and the opportunity that that allowed us to really float the idea, test the idea and get a really strong industry backing to move it forward. Um, so Blackbox Co is a cloud-based software program that links data captured from right along the beef supply chain and turns it into insights to make more informed genetic management and productivity decisions that really drive the bottom line. Um, so producers don't have to do anything with their data. It's cleaned and refined um, and run through a number of proprietary algorithms that link the data sets together and, and generates these insights and displays them on visual, easy to use interactive dashboards, um, but very much been developed with industry, for the industry, and that has really come out of our uh, mentoring trips with the Xander McDonald Award and the really strong industry networks. We were able to build from that. Can I ask on that? So obviously it sounds like when Shannon was going about uh, like undertaking a mentoring trip, were you guys ever worried in terms of like, you've got this business idea and obviously there's that, the validation piece that you need to go through to really work out, is this an actual problem or is it something that we're kind of fabricating? Were you worried that with, with that approach and sharing it, that someone might take the idea and run with it? Um, no, not at that stage. I think it was just a prototype, a demonstration um, of the issue. And I mean, with the industry support we've received has been really overwhelming. And I think the difference between us and some other ag tech companies is we've very much been boots on the ground in the beef industry. We know our industry really well. And then we went about finding the best people, the best software developers we could and pulled that team together to develop it for us. Um, but had it in the hands of industry early, trialled it with industry, and they've provided us feedback to get those insights right um, for the decisions that they want to make. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. 
global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. So, no, I don't think it was ever a concern. Yeah, right. In, in terms of, because you guys launched in 2020, is there members of your team who you've never met face to face? Yeah, there is. So... We're a team of seven now, um, remotely based. There's three of us in Queens, well, four in Queensland. Um, our software developers are Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. There's two of them that we've never met face-to-face. Um, but thank goodness for Zoom and, and all the online systems that we use. Um, we're very, I mean, we catch up daily. And, yeah, it hasn't been a problem, but we're certainly looking forward to getting everyone face-to-face. Yeah, I bet. In terms of, I suppose, yeah, with Shannon, you knew her prior to launching the business and had had a bit to do with her for some time, but what would you say your biggest learning or takeaway has been in terms of what you've learned about, yeah, Shannon during the launch of a company, particularly from afar? Now you can really dish the dirt on me. <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage of the opportunity. No, I look, I'll um, get her on after you too. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, no, so Shen and I, I think we're very lucky in the relationship we've got and we've got very different skill sets and we've got different strengths and weaknesses. So we work together really well. Um, Shen's a very logical thinker. I'm more quality controlled. How do we actually make it work on the ground? Um, but yeah, so we have very strong communication and we're all about getting the team around us that we need. Um, like obviously we can't do the software development and the coding, but we've found the best people that we needed and, and work together as, as a team to make that development happen. So we've talked about a black box, but I want to, um, jump back into your childhood because yeah, as we were chatting the other week, you mentioned that you were a school of the air student and you had a a pretty unique childhood in terms of what many people would probably wouldn't understand and think it's yeah, something of the past, but in terms of you, you learned by a school of the air and that was literally two way radios tuning into your teacher back in Longridge. It was. You're making me sound old now, Ollie. Um, so I grew up on a property 140 kilometres northwest of Longreach in central western Queensland, had a fabulous childhood, um, loved growing up on the land and my family was very passionate about agriculture. So we actually ran merino sheep um, up there. So that was great. And I guess as a family, we were all very proactive in the business. Um, yeah, did school of the air over the two-way radio, which was always interesting, but my mum was a school teacher and she taught us, um, so that that was great. Um, and then I went on to also study at a small one-teacher school, which was 50Ks up the road. Once my brother went away to boarding school, I think there was seven kids at that school and I was the only girl. Um, but that was great. And, I mean, out in those Western communities, there's, there's such a great sense of community, so it never feels remote. Um, you still offered a lot of opportunities. And, yeah, and then went away to boarding school 
in year eight in Toowoomba. So the good old 14-hour ride on the Greyhound bus to and from school um, each term. <laughs> but I guess I, I loved school but was very homesick, always wanted to be home on the farm with Dad. And, and when we did school of the air, I was a bit of a terror. I used to wake up really early and and get my books out. Everything was still paper-based then, obviously, but during my day's work for that day and head off into the paddock before mum woke up um, because that's where I wanted to be much to mum's disgust. But, yeah, really missed it when I went away um, to boarding school, but Dad was always very good at having a massive list of jobs to do when we came home for school holidays. You make it sound like you're a terror, but it sounds like you're actually an exceptional student that just got in, got it done, and then went on to doing something that you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think I was brought up that way, like, we always looked for opportunities and jumped at them. If the opportunity was there, um, dad was very good. He taught me something I'll never forget about listening to people. Um, and, you know, even if you don't agree with what they say, you can listen to them and learn from them. There's an opportunity with every person you meet um, and something you'll learn something from every person you meet. And, yeah, that's something that I still value to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask like on the school of the air stuff? Cause it's all like, yeah, the only exposure I've ever had to it is through a few people I've spoken to, but do you think in terms of what last one of the potential benefits of COVID and I, maybe it was, it was already quite a good system before, but because basically every school in Australia went to remote learning, do you think that's going to flow through or if not already f- flowed through into school of the air? Uh, yeah, so it's obviously changed a lot since I was there. It's all done through video conferencing um, and a lot of online tools. Now you can see your teacher. You know, there's no more recorder lessons over the two-way radio anymore. Your lucky parents listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think there probably is a few changes coming through, but maybe School of the Air will teach some of the other education systems how to do it because they're, they have been doing it that way for a number of years. Um, Certainly from Black Box, we founded that through COVID and um, definitely been based over Zoom meetings. And, you know, it's it's changed, as you would know, for everyone. It's acceptable now to have Zoom meetings. You don't have to travel to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne all the time for meetings. And I think particularly for Shannon and I with young families, that's that's been an incredible opportunity for us and allowed us to develop black box a lot quicker as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that um, the travel to go for a one hour or two hour meeting is just, it's ridiculous now when you look at it in hindsight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The cost involved. Um, now, so was, was ag, a career in agriculture always on the cards or obviously you're a high, an overachiever and still overachieving now with everything that you're juggling, but were, was agriculture the natural calling or did you think there was another avenue? Yeah, so mum and dad always encouraged my brother and I to go and do whatever we wanted to do. Um, and I can remember going through year 12, I was right into music, studied music at school, um, believe it or not, and I think in year 12 I went from being a music teacher to a nurse to studying business went all over the place. Um, But I can remember in the last couple of weeks of year 12 when we had to make a decision, I sent an email 
uh, to mum and dad and said, made a decision, I want to work with livestock. And then, um, yeah, I guess it was a passion of mine and something I always wanted to do. Took me a little while to work out which direction to take, uh, but ended up studying a Bachelor of Livestock Science down at the University of New England in Armidale. Um, so I spent, so I loved my time down there, had a great time as all university students do. But one of the key things I got involved in down there was the intercollegiate meat judging program. So that's an Australian wide program that's run annually for um, agricultural college students and university students. And it, it, I guess it exposes you to different careers that are available in the meat and livestock industries in Australia. So the program hosts around 150 students a year. Um, and I was very fortunate to go through the judging program and be successful and selected on the Australian team. Um, so the, the program takes five students from across Australia each year to the US for a four week trip um, to compete in judging programs over there, but most importantly, to learn about the industry um, and everything from ranches through processing facilities to value-add um, companies. So that was a fabulous experience. And I think from that, I learned very early on the value of having a network. And as a uni student, that program exposed me to a lot of people um, right across the supply chain working in the meat and livestock industries in Australia and New Zealand and people that I still talk to today, um, but it certainly helped me drive my career forward. And so that's, yeah, something I want to come back on and, and ask about mentoring. But before we kind of jump into that, I suppose you'd had all these different, or well, it might be the same thing, but you'd had all this different exposure to um, various parts of the industry. Did you think like, leaving university you're like all right there's the dream job that's where I'm going and did you kind of have your blinkers on or were you pretty open to seeing where it all goes yeah no very open to seeing where it would all go and someone told me while I was at uni they said in your 20s take every opportunity that you can and learn as much as you can and then shape your career in your 30s and I've always remembered that um so jumped at a lot of different opportunities and I was very focused on coming north again. Had enough of the cold weather down there and thought, no, I want to go back to Queensland. <laughs> and I wanted, nice. yeah, I wanted to learn more about nutrition. Um, and growing up up there, I wanted to be able to support producers. So I ended up just emailing uh, around 20 companies, um, nutrition companies, and saying, hey, I'm looking for a job had a couple of them write back to me and ended up taking on a role in Charters Towers um, in North Queensland. So working in nutrition sales and consulting, did a lot of traveling. Um, we custom made a lot of supplements for producers. So that was great. Um, I really enjoyed that role. And while I was there, also became a committee member for the Australian Meat Judging Program which then led me to being exposed to a program that at the time MLA and Tease Australia offered a graduate program in abattoir management. Um, and I guess the driver for me to take that was seeing 
a lack of understanding of that end of the supply chain through industry. And I thought this is great, great opportunity for me to go and learn more and be able to bring that back um, into industry. So I took that role on and spent 12 months working in the abattoir in Rockhampton. So learned all the roles from yards right through to loadout, um, worked on a number of research projects, um, as well as like quality control, quality assurance, um, that type of thing, as well as seeing how what we did on farm impacted things at that, that processing end as well. Yeah. And so really seeing that information flow, but also the skills flow the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. And it certainly, I mean, it was tough. There was 30 nationalities, I think, working there at the time. You'd be in the plant by five in the morning. Um, but yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And um, just, I guess, saw it as an opportunity to learn. Yeah, yeah. One question I've got as you're talking, or you said you'd sent a scattergun of 20 emails out waiting for, or just seeing what was out there. I'm curious in terms of like your approach to setbacks and yeah, how, how have you dealt with setbacks in terms of people saying nothing here and yeah, how do you keep the wheels moving forward? I'm pretty determined. I'm very stubborn (laughs) and I'm pretty determined and driven. So um, I don't, setbacks don't worry me. I think sometimes they might happen for a reason, but I'd just say, okay, well, that's fine. I'll find another way to get there. Um, And particularly being a young female coming out into the industry, you always were faced with that as well. Um, And some people that just thought, what do you know? But there was always a way. um, I can remember back then there were still fax machines and thought someone's not listening to my nutrition advice. That's fine Um, because I'm a grad straight out of uni. So I wrote it out and faxed it to them. And I thought, then they'll read it and get back to me. And they did. I mean, that's only one little example, but there's always a way. Um, There's always another way to get there. And I think, again, it's about finding those right people around you to support you. Yeah, yeah. You're either the bus is going this way. You're either on it and coming with me or (laughs) I'm going to find people along the way who are coming. That's right. But it's also about ensuring that you get the knowledge and experience to be confident in what, what you're trying to advise them on and teach them about as well. Yeah. And so leading into the, into the Xander Award, so you obviously were the inaugural winner in 2015. Was there something which spurred you on to applying for it specifically in terms of the exposure you wanted to get? Yeah. So um, in the first year of the Xander Award being out, you were actually nominated for it. Um, Following on from that year, it turned into an application process, but I was nominated by David Foote um, from Australian Country Choice. And I guess back then, the Triple P group, there wasn't a lot of information out about it. Um, I mean, there's certainly been a website and a lot of information over the past few years through the Xander McDonald Award, but... I can remember um, being nominated, went away. I think they interviewed six of us in Sydney, which was a fabulous experience, Um, and then got chosen as one of three finalists to attend the Platinum Primary Producer Conference, which that year was actually up in Darwin. 
Um, so headed up there. My husband actually proposed to me on the way to the Did Triple T conference that year. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. When before you got there? I know. Maybe he was worried that he was going to rise and I might run. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so went up to the award. I mean, it was very new that year. Um, it was an amazing opportunity. So we all got to present at the conference as the finalists do now um, when Triple P can be held and uh, was announced the winner and and I guess it was extremely overwhelming. Um, I didn't know a lot of people in the Triple P group. There were no previous winners, so it was it was quite a daunting, I guess, um, to go there. But they basically said to me, you've got this book, um, the conference book. There's 150 Triple P members. Pick some people that you'd like to be mentored by um, and we'll develop a tailored mentoring program for you, which was amazing. So I worked very closely with Charlie DeFagley, who helped me to develop my mentoring program and ended up doing a two-week trip through New Zealand. So I was very focused on um, business analysis and data uh, and different uh, business structures as well in my mentoring program. So decided to get out of beef. I saw an opportunity to learn a lot more from other industries. So focused a lot on lamb and dairy, um, which was great. So did a two-week trip through New Zealand and I also got to spend three days with the McDonald family um, on their properties and feedlot in Queensland as well. But I think with these opportunities, it's what you make it. So even though I was only allocated um, a handful of key mentors, by the end of that year, I had spent time with or been mentored by 32 members of the Triple P group and I guess never shied from an opportunity. I, I travelled a lot for work then. So if I was going anywhere near a Triple P member's property or, or business, I'd give them a call um, and go and catch up with them. And I think that Triple P group's so unique. They're, they're so passionate about driving our industry forward and they really enjoy nothing more than taking time to teach a young person in the industry um, about their business and maybe about holes that they might have fallen down along the way in their career um, and help you not make those, those mistakes. But I guess I'm six years on now from winning the award, but going to Triple P every year is still a highlight of the year um, for us. And you try and, do, I guess, still visit different Triple P members each year as well. And so it was obviously 30 people. It was a, a lot of businesses to be exposed to, but particularly, I suppose, that behind the scenes piece was you'd mentioned around intercollegiate meet judging and reaching out to people and finding mentors along the way. Like what, when it came to, yeah, mentoring, did, did you have experiences where it was like yeah mentor for the sake of being mentored or was it very I suppose specific that each person who you wanted to learn off there was something in particular you wanted to learn rather than just have another person just to chat to yeah so I think the real advantage of the Xander award um, and the tailored mentoring trip is you're exposed to that large group of people they're all very like-minded um, and want to see agriculture 
move forward and it allows you the opportunity to find mentors within that group that you can really, I guess, gel with and build up a trusting relationship with. There's some that I never really thought maybe I would be mentored by, but you always find something they're going to teach you about. Um, and I think I, I think mentoring is really about building up a trusting relationship with a good mentor um, and it's unique to be able to find that. But when you've got that pool of people there that are very successful in their own businesses, they want to drive the industry forward, um, you know, it's you couldn't get a better opportunity for a young person to find someone that they can really build that relationship up with and work with. And I think one of the best things with mentors is that they will challenge you. They'll challenge your thinking um, and really help you apply what you've learned back into your business and your industry, which, you know, there might be goals you were going to achieve, but they really help you to get there, there quicker and make a real success of it. And so for you, obviously you're, at that point in your career now where you get you, I suppose in that sweet middle spot where you've still got all that wealth of knowledge above you, but also now you're starting to get involved with say the next gen committee and other opportunities with people coming through. Like what, what, yeah. What is it? I suppose that you hope to get out of and pass on to young people that are coming through. Yeah, so I love mentoring. I'm involved now um, with a few different industry mentoring programs and mentoring some people as well, um, from producers to uni students to to uh, people that have applied for the Xander Award. And that that's something I should add in is the committee is um, very proactive in contacting every single person that applies for the Xander McDonald Award they all get a phone call. So they all get that opportunity to chat to someone from the committee and build some relationships up there. And there's some that have applied um, that I still talk to now and mentor that haven't come through to being a finalist or a winner. So there's there's big opportunities there as well. But I think exposing young people to these networks um, is really key and the likes of Beef Week, um, you know, there's some young people coming, but just saying, hey, I want to learn about this. Have you got someone I could spend 20 minutes talking to to learn about that and say, yep, absolutely. I've got people that that will love to talk to you. Um, and there's, there's a lot of very knowledgeable people in our industry that open their arms to anyone that's willing to listen and learn. And the opportunities are definitely there. But you really have to drive that opportunity for yourself and it's hard work um you've got to keep those relationships up talk to them regularly um and eventually they become members of your family you know and you you talk to them a lot but you really have to drive that opportunity yourself um and just keep following up with them and i've got a question which i ask everyone which has actually been quite cool and so it's on that I suppose to the to the next gen. But if you were to be speaking, and you might do it, if you were to be speaking to say year ten or eleven students, and it's talking about, I suppose one, there's an aspect of life advice, but talking to to them in one of our capital cities about the opportunities in agriculture and where a career might take them, what would be yeah some of your key messages to them? Yeah, it's absolutely. I'd say jump at any opportunity I think it's really important to get that 
on the ground, hands-on knowledge um, first. Don't come out of uni expecting to go into a management role. You've got to work hard, get that knowledge um, from right along the supply chain, you know, from, from farms right through. So there's absolutely incredible opportunities in agriculture. You don't just have to study ag science or agribusiness for lawyers, um, for, you know, biochemistry. There's everything. There's opportunities in agriculture for so many different degrees and skill sets um, as well. And I think it's really important that we expose people to those different opportunities um, as well, which I think is great through your podcast too, Ollie, of sharing the stories of of all the people that have influence in agriculture, but they may not be directly linked into the industry as well. Yeah, no, it's um, it's fascinating. And I reckon everyone has a different different view on where they kind of sit, but also what they contribute. And I think what it, what I've also learned is that there's a lot of people that don't see themselves as part of our industry, um, but absolutely are. So, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well. I suppose the the only other thing I'd love to know is, yeah, given you're keeping yourself busy and setting yourself up, but what's on that, I suppose, the the near horizon for you and, and what are those kind of boxes that you really want to tick off? Yeah, for sure. So at the moment, um, our key focus is rolling out black box. So we've developed four live dashboards for the beef industry and got eight more in the pipeline and we will commercialize that. Um, Still just working with trial partners at the moment, but absolutely set on that. We know it's going to work um, and we know we can do amazing things for industry with it. So I guess that's the immediate goal in the future beyond that. I'm not too sure. We'll move on to to the next opportunity, but very much, I guess, my passion's working with producers um, on the ground. And I never thought I'd end up co-founding a software company. But if it's got good outcomes for industry, that's what you do. Um, yeah, so not sure beyond Black Box, Ollie. We'll um, get that one up and running and then <laughs> see what happens after that. Can I ask just one question which you made me think of there is, like when you've got, I suppose, this all this opportunity and the vision of what the business could be, how do you actually come back to the ground level and execute on what needs to happen today and tomorrow? Yeah, for sure. So we have a great advisory committee that helps us with that, but Shannon and I are both studying MBAs as well. So we we spend a lot of time working on strategy, um, looking, you know, one month ahead, three years ahead, five years ahead, And we work with our team on that as well. Um, And we also work with industry on that. So we've got a lot of contacts through the industry. Um, We we talk to them. It's not just our idea. it's It's what industry needs or wants. And then we find a way to make it happen. Yeah, right. Interesting. No, because I think, yeah, particularly in a startup, it's amazing like where you, you, you can be in terms of, that possibility but then it's coming back to well you need to pay the bills and get money coming in so you can even have a chance of getting to what's possible yeah absolutely the startup world is definitely a roller coaster (laughs) um (laughs) but i think i mean we've 
had overwhelming industry support um, for what we're doing. And I think through mentoring and those networks we've had, we've had people that have been able to advise us and really help us move that forward and make it happen. Well, Em, thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on and have a chat. It's been great. Thanks, Ollie. Well, as always, thank you very much for joining us on the Humans of Agriculture podcast. If you have any questions for M, you can get in touch with her on LinkedIn or via their website, www.blackboxco.com.au. I just find it fascinating, her story from a kid who goes on School of the Air to co-founding a software company. I think there's very, very exciting things to happen with Blackbox Co. And I can't wait to see where they go with it. Whether it was Emma's advice around building your skills in your 20s and your career in your 30s. I hope this podcast provided something for you to take away. If you're interested in finding out more about the Xander McDonald Award, you can find out more via the link in our show notes as well. I can't recommend highly enough what the opportunity will provide to you, even just if it's just doing your application. But if you're fortunate enough to go the whole way through to being a finalist, the experience is second to none. I've got some really exciting guests coming uh, to you in the next few weeks. One being Stuart Austin of Wilmot Cuddle Co. Where we'll be talking about the trade that they made and the, the farm practices that they implemented over the last 10 or so years that allowed them to trade uh, a carbon deal with Microsoft, one of the world's biggest corporations. The other one I'm very excited to bring is Stacey Curcio, who is also the daughter of Terry McCosker. You can find out more by following us at Humans of Agriculture with an underscore on your social channels. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Stay safe, stay sane, look after yourselves and look after each other.